You hear that, women? You don't need fucking makeup. For fuck's sake, you don't. You also don't need fake tits. Jesus Christ. I wish you could see the wave. It's like a block of blue. (laughs) I'm going to have a fun time editing that. I might cut that whole thing out. So Uh, whatever's in the show is in the show. So in this one, I would like to start out with some front matter, actually. Okay. Um, I know you don't really listen to podcasts that often, so you probably don't. This is honestly, like, the first podcast that I've listened to the whole way through, and that's mostly just to make sure I don't sound like a a complete and utter idiot. I understand. (laughs) I understand completely. So... Front matter is usually like follow-up on previous episodes, maybe correcting mistakes, or if people are lucky enough to have listener interactions to address some things like that. And, And really, the only thing I have to say as the front matter is that last episode, talking about Jane Austen, yeah, I kept, and me specifically, I kept referring to the period of time in which Jane Austen occurred as the Edwardian period. Yeah. And I was wrong. Gotcha. The Edwardian period is like from 1912, or like from 1900 to 1912 or something like that. Gotcha. And that's, of course, not at all what I meant. What I meant was the Georgian period in England. I think it's also called the Age of Regency. You had mentioned that a few times. Yes. And were in that much more on point than (laughs) I was. (laughs) So beyond that, getting into the episode itself. And the the main topic itself. Gotcha. Which um, I have put down as pre-COVID social distancing. Okay. Which is an attempt to tie the present with the past yeah obviously yeah and to say that basically what i would like to talk about or where i would like to come from in the discussion is an examination of what ways modernity before covid was actually very socially distanced yeah not Necessarily physically, but in many other ways, ideologically, metaphysically, technologically, things like that. Yeah. I guess you could say sociologically. And how that has, in a way, enabled a still difficult but easier transition into actual COVID social distancing than I think would have been possible in previous eras. That I think the unique position of modern Western society pre-COVID has allowed it to respond in the the very distanced, hands-off kind of way Mm -hmm. that it has. 
And I'm not entirely sure how to get into that, but to start with an anecdote, I guess. Mm-hmm. That for me, the, the biggest change in my life that came from COVID was at church. Okay. Because most of my family, you included, have been largely unfazed by whatever fear or paranoia, justified or otherwise, has arisen from the pandemic. That much of my family, much of your family, has been largely unaffected in uh, both physically, very few of us have gotten COVID and none of us have had severe cases, thanks be to God, but that psychologically they have not allowed it to affect themselves Mm -hmm. terribly. Of course, they have various opinions about Mm -hmm. it, and I don't necessarily want to get into that, just because that is very divisive, and that could be a whole different episode. That could go into a whole different thing. But at church for me, most of the people that I go to church with at a Ukrainian Orthodox church are older people. Mm -hmm. And so they necessarily are cautioned more than younger people. And even those who are not older have been more wary of church. Um, Back pre-COVID, we would expect at least around 20 people on a Sunday, on a normal Sunday. Um, You know, not like a nice feast or anything like that. Whereas on Easter, it would be a full house, absolutely packed to the nines, right? But now I've noticed barely anyone comes. And funnily enough, those people who do come are either new converts around my age or those older people. Hmm. My choir director's in her 60s. Some other ladies in the choir are between, you know, their middle 50s and 70s. Some other members that have come along, just members of of the laity, you know, not specifically choir or whatever, have come. But a lot of the families, a lot of the middle-aged, and I guess you could say, like, regular working class people, or regular working people, I don't know about their class, have not, have not come. I know there is one family specifically, who of course I will not name, but they are staying away largely because they have a baby on the way. Gotcha. And had previously had difficulties. Yeah. And so they are being as cautious as they can be, and I do not blame them for that one bit. In fact, they should do such a thing. Sure. But a lot of a lot of the families, there is one family in particular that I truly haven't seen in, since 2019. Jeez. And it's a pity. It really is an awful shame. But that is one of the few areas where I have seen that social distancing really sure. hit hard, really cut the population in half. And it sucks mm-hmm. because I'm sorry to lead this so heavily. No, go ahead. It sucks because one of the things that struck me as being so beautiful about Orthodoxy when I came in 2017 was how 
close it was, how intimate everybody was. Mm-hmm. You know, the first time I went to an Orthodox church, I was hugged by people I'd never met in my whole life. Yep. And regardless of what personal opinion might be about that, you know, I really enjoyed that. Yeah. I enjoy the kissing of the icons and the kissing of the veneration cross that the priest brings out after service. And everybody takes the same communion spoon in their mouth to receive communion the whole time. That is a level of intimacy and trust in the purity of the sacrament that I have not seen elsewhere. Mm -hmm. Like, people, me included, close their lips around the communion spoon. Like, it goes in their mouth. It's not just like a dumping in your mouth, which they have now. Not mandated, because that gets into touchy theological water. Gotcha. About whether or not the sacrament can be defiled. And the church says it cannot. Yeah. But it's caution that if you can, you should just tip the sacrament into the mouth. Also... Things like the Kiss of Peace, which had just before COVID in 2019 been reinstituted in the churches in the Ukrainian Orthodox Church in America, where it was like, yes, at the certain point in the liturgy when the um, priest says um, Christ is in our midst, Mm -hmm. you kiss each other on the cheeks. Yeah. Kind of like the French do, yeah. you know, or I guess maybe the Italians as well. Yeah. You kiss each other on the cheeks. And it's this fantastic brotherly thing to do with other people. Yeah. And it's gone. Yep. Evaporated. Mm-hmm. And I know at least, and I'm sure many other people have felt this pain, but my priest has expressed his deep sorrow yeah. at that. There was... I know one specific, I think it was Theophany this year, where he came out with the veneration cross and looked at us so sadly and said, I wish I could offer this to you. Mm -hmm. I wish that I could give this to you to kiss, but I can't. Mm -hmm. And it sucked. But I think there are elements of that, of that orthodoxy, right, that are holdovers from a much older world, Mm-hmm. that have in the world outside of orthodoxy and kind of outside of traditional Christianity been really eroded away and destroyed and evaporated well before COVID. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I, um, kind of the the, the way I would approach this is it, it's along the lines of things that I've said before, you know, I... I really don't like the infatuation with technology. I really don't like the consensus, really, of our, at least Western culture, I feel like I could honestly, fairly speak on that, of just being terrified by the thought of suffering, pain, death, and that such things are like the ultimate evil. And all of that goes hand in hand but like (laughs) there was a a guy at work I was talking to and we were were talking about um, video games right and when I was younger I would play video games playtime was always strictly regulated I mean there were times my mother was like you can only play for 15 minutes and it's like you're not doing anything in a video game in 15 minutes, sorry. But, like, 
we got the PlayStation 2 the year the PlayStation 3 came out. Like, everything was behind, and it was fun, you know. It was nice. It's kind of cool to get around and play with other folks. But uh, what my co-worker told me was that he said, you know, remember the days when you would want to play a video game with someone else and you had to like go to their house or they had to come over in order to get on the same console and play the game. And even when like online stuff first came out, it was so like, <laughs> it was so shitty. Like it just didn't work. There were a lot of bugs people had to work out. And server crashes, stuff like that. Yeah. yeah that it wasn't really a thing. But once they got those bugs kind of hammered out and online became the go-to, um, just in my kind of very distant observation of the gaming world now, mostly from hearsay, it seems like most of these games are online-driven. Like, that's where they want you to do the game. And if they have an offline campaign or mode or something like that, usually the structure of the game itself is supported by some kind of online experience of the game itself or of, like, DLCs and stuff like that. Gotcha. The I game is... I don't even know what that is. DLC? Yeah. Downloadable content. Okay. DLC is a thing, well, we could get into that now. <laughs> like, there was a period of time, I don't know whether exactly it's over or not, where basically a lot of AAA companies would release half-baked games and then just release DLC for them as they saw fit to patch the game up. Interesting. Yeah. So it was kind of an excuse to get a game out of the door as quick as you could without actually making it quality. Interesting. And you're still dropping like 60, 70, oh, oh. 80 bucks for it up front. And yeah. I will tell you the tale of Cyberpunk 2077 <laughs> one of these days. <laughs> but yeah, I, I think he was spot on, my coworker, with, with that statement. Like, yes, there was a time where even something that, you know, I, I have my beats with playing video games in general just because the tendency is to suck the player into a virtual world where they're not actually doing anything. Their decision-making in that world, does it has no bearing on their life in the actual world. And if you get caught up in it, you can become very stagnant very quickly and just lose yourself. And I hate the idea of that. But yeah, once upon a time, it was more social. You would get together to play a video game, or you would get together to watch a movie that was on a DVD, or, a little bit further back, VHS, and you would sit around a TV and watch this sucker together. And I know things like that still happen and stuff, but there is this... Like, you know, I can be playing with a person... And I shouldn't even say me, because I don't have a gaming system, and I'll probably never have a gaming system. But, like, say my brothers, right? Mm -hmm. They'll be playing a video game with one of their friends online, and they can talk to each other, and they can interact with each other via avatars in the game, but they are not actually together. I cannot help but to think of the guild 
and the song that came out. Uh, do you know what the guild is? Yeah. It was a T or um a web series on YouTube. One of the first like big web series that got popular. Okay. That was just a play on this group of friends that would go on to basically a World of Warcraft proxy. Like it, nice. they couldn't call it World yeah, of Warcraft because yeah, yeah. it's yeah. But there was a video, a song they released called "Do You Want to Date My Avatar," <laughs> and it was a play on these kind of yeah, thing, yeah. you know, like you know, there's no disease in virtual space kind of thing. <laughs> but, but it, yeah, so they're they're really not actually together, and yet you have these. I don't want to use the word virtual, but simulated yeah. interactions where it is actually a human mind behind the simulation. Yeah. And, and dictating, basically, the actions of the Avatar in it. Yeah. But still, it has that distance. Yeah. And people feel like they're, you know, part of the appeal of video games is that your Avatar and your expression through this Avatar, like, you can do all these crazy things that you can't actually do in real life. Like, you could pick up huge objects. You can be, like, a friggin' ninja. You can run around. You could like, do all these things that you can't do in real life. Lob a grenade correctly. Yeah. Where someone like myself would be like, well, I'm going to try to get as close to that as possible within the, like, the realm of physics and... Attainable reality. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But I, I'm going to push the envelope. I'm going to try. But Twelve-foot uh, jump. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Dropping from tall objects in a single drop, I guess. I don't know. Anyway. <laughs> But coming away unscathed, that's mm -hmm. the thing. Like, you realize I, my body can actually drop 12 feet, and I can suffer no injury. And mm -hmm. I can do it again and again and again and again. And that's pretty cool. Yeah. It might not be, like, Ninja Gaiden or Gaiden or whatever, however the heck you said it. I, that was one of those video games, like, when I was still kind of interacting with that world that came out. It was like a spinoff of the Dead or Alive fighting games. Hmm. Ryu Hayabusa. I um, have no experience of okay. these things. Yeah. The whole video game about that. But, like, yeah, he was mm -hmm. one of those characters that could, like, drop, like, a friggin' mile and land on his tippy toes and, like, mm -hmm. cut a guy in half and no issues. Um, anywho, uh, not to mention Dead or Alive's, like, separate boob mechanics. Like, what's that, what's that word that where it's, like, a whole separate, like, physics engine or whatever? Oh, I, like a, I don't have any idea what you mean. Like a, like a boob physics engine? Like a, like the boobs have their own physics. Like the yeah. character has its physics and, and then the, the boobs, boobs have, have their physics. So that they're constantly wobbling a yes. little bit. Yeah. yeah. Just like in the Arkham Asylum games, like Batman's cape mm -hmm. has its own, like it's its own entity because yeah. it's so complex that. In order to look realistic, it has to have that. Anyhow. That whole separate. Yeah. yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah. In these video games, they can do these crazy things. But the funny thing is, they are actually extremely limited. You are extremely limited in a video game compared with real life. You can do crazy things. So, in a way, it's worth it. But you're extremely limited. So, like, the world we live in, you know, people are throwing around ideas like free education or free health care, stuff like that. And that's, like, a, 
a real life superpower, like that your society has. Like here's free education, here's healthcare, but what's the cost? Like, because it can't come from nowhere; it has to come from somewhere. So what's the and what is the government gonna? Because the government doesn't just give you stuff; they don't do that. They're gonna get it from you in the front or the back, sometimes both. Like they're they're gonna violate all the holes. And that's the irony of tech. It sells itself like this cyborg superpower. Like, look, humans plus technology are so much cooler than just humans, but actually, we're going to control everything. Become limitless. Yeah. And yet, really, the terms of that limitlessness, scare quotes, is a limitation. Yeah. It requires limitation. Mm-hmm. You are sitting at your little... And I felt this, mm-hmm. of course, as someone who has played video games that are... Let's call them somewhat competitive. Yeah. Mostly shooter games to that effect. Sure. Like the wonderful Verdun. Yeah. No way in my whole life could I ever do what a character or a... a an avatar, or whatever you want to call it, a virtual representation. Sure. Does in Verdun. Mm-hmm. I can't run across a bomb-strewn field and throw myself down in the mud and use this bolt-action rifle to, you know, kill other people and stuff like that, or take trenches, whatever. I mean, you might. I mean, I might. You're right, I've never tried. Yeah. But... I'm sure there were a lot of dudes who thought they couldn't, and then they did. It's possible. <laughs> but... I'm definitely not getting better at doing that by sitting on my ass, pressing WASD yeah. <laughs> and, and the left and right mouse button. Yeah. Like, I'm sitting here going, yeah, right, and thinking like, oh, I totally dodged out. I'm, that motion doesn't even make any sense. Yeah. Like, I'm sitting here going clickety-clickety, right? Like, you're not developing realistic neural pathways at all. <laughs> in any way, shape, or form. But, you know, I'm totally going like, oh, I totally got that shot off before that guy did yeah, and killed yeah. him and whatnot and ducked out of the way before the bomb went off or something like that. And But truthfully, yeah. whatever skill that is, is a nothing skill. Yeah. And I think that that could lead into a discussion about esports that we're not going to have here. Sure, sure. But yeah, it's 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 kind of like watching a film but at another level. Like your palms start sweating, like your your anxiety kicks in, your adrenaline's going a little bit, your your heart rate's up. So you're getting the initial like fight flight freeze instincts kicking in, but it's like a tease. And that's the thing about our world, that it's it's not just limitation, it is, like, another way I would describe it is, it's a tease. It's kind of like... Porn, you want to get right? into a discussion about pornography? Yeah, that's, I do. Yeah. So, it's kind of like porn, right? Yeah. You have access to however many dudes and women and whatever you want to fantasize about. You right? can see anything you want to see. Exactly. But at the end of the day, you are not participating in any of those things. You are getting a hundredth of the experience that those actors and actresses are getting. Why do you think, and 
God forgive me for knowing this fact. <laughs> but why do you think POV stuff has taken off mm-hmm. so much? Mm-hmm. Because it adds that extra layer. Yep. Now it's just not, not watching some other dude and another girl or something. It's me in this position. Yep. And I'm, I'm, you know, there is... It might be me. Yeah, exactly. It could be me, because like, I don't see the dude's face. Exactly. Yeah. Like, I'm not... I'm not a separate perspective. Yep. You know? Yeah. Um, and, like, with the Instagram stuff that I think we've mentioned before, you know, the... the particularly, uh, you know, every female's got, like, a yoga pants shot, and, like... The, the booty shot, like, the booty's the thing. Like, the fetish of this age is the booty. Um, and also fake tits. Which, it's like, Jesus Christ, people. Like, God, I hate fake tits. It's like, don't, don't, like, it is such a symptom of, like, a rotting system, right? Like, don't objectify me, one. Two, Love me the way I am, but now I'm going to go out and get fake tits. You love me the way I am, but I'm not going to love me the way I am. Yeah, like, no. No. Like, I've told pretty much any female who will listen to me, and, like, I'm talking more than five seconds with, you You don't need makeup. So, like, like, please, please, women... You don't need to put yourself out there like that. I want to piggyback off that. Okay. Forgive the phrase. But I think social media is a good topic for that. Oh, yeah. For the the pre-COVID social distance. Oh, yeah. Because you have this separation of people and identities from physicality. Yeah. Like, let's take two sides. Yeah. Here. We've got the Twitter side of things, Mm -hmm. which is the idea side, let's say. These are my words, right? Yeah. And then the Instagram side, which is the photos. These are my, I don't know, photos. These These are my meals. These are my outfits. This is my face a bunch of different times with all this whatnot. They are... They represent two sides of people and their representation on social media. And both of them can have... They, of course, have bits of each other in them. You can post pictures on Twitter and you can, you know, say your whatever ideologies on Instagram. But they do have a general trend, the two of them. And yet, in both of them, those things are completely separate from an actual physical reality. Mm-hmm. Those two things are completely separate. Yeah. Like, on the Twitter side, I'm spouting my ideas. Sure. Whatever, free marketplace of ideas, yada, yada, yada. Right? But if I'm standing in front of a person, and I say some idea some thing that I have, some, I don't know, preconceived notion or ideology that I have that well and truly offends them or that they think may threaten them or something like that, they have two options to either totally leave me alone and, like, cut me off and walk away 
or maybe punch me in my face or yep. tell me to shut up or something like that. React to me in a real physical way. Mm-hmm. But we are two people interacting with each other arm's distance, yeah. you know, or six feet. Yeah. But in which that the physicality has consequences. Mm-hmm. The sharing of ideas is predicated by the fact that we are in physical proximity to yeah. each other. And that can have an effect on whatever the outcome of this sharing of ideas is. Yeah. The same is not true on Twitter. And I am not going to get into any kind of slut shame or anything like that about Instagram. Because I don't want to get into that. That's a beaten horse. And they beat it all day long. But the same is true for the Instagram stuff. Yeah. Like, here's my perfect life. And here's my wonderful thing. And here's my... Um, like, for instance, the mirror selfies. Yeah. Um, most mirror selfies, especially the... Actually, say maybe the really nice ones, are not actually taken on a mirror, Mm. using a mirror, where, you know, you have the girl or guy, you know, holding up their phone, taking a picture in the mirror, and maybe they're hiding their face behind the... No. They have a second camera that is taking a picture of them holding their phone up. Mm. So that you don't have any glare at all, you don't have any smudges on your mirror, you don't have anything. And nobody can tell the difference, because when you're in a mirror, unless you can actually see the mirror in the picture... Yeah. Nobody can tell one way or another. That's crazy. Yeah, but that is a way that you are actually removing a, at least a presumed physical reality yeah. from the thing itself. And the That's same crazy. As, See, yeah. I didn't even know that. Yeah. I didn't know that was a thing. Like, mm-hmm. I just assumed that all mirror selfies were still using a mirror. Nope. That's, that's crazy. That, it's, so that's a whole other separation, abstraction, right? But with food and stuff, yeah, that shit doesn't look that good in person. No, never. And it probably maybe doesn't smell that good, depending, yeah. you know? But here I am. To, I mean, what is a filter but the abstraction from reality? Yeah. The intention of abstracting from reality. Sure. I am literally taking this picture of reality, which in itself is an abstraction, because no picture ever does reality justice. Just try taking a picture of the moon or the stars. Like, it's total shit no matter what (laughs) kind of camera you have (laughs) right but then you are putting another layer of abstraction on that original one with the filter or something and i don't mean filters even that add like dog ears or some other dumb shit i mean just a color thing yeah a palette thing and you you are in both of these things twitter and instagram you are taking the nugget of reality whatever that is your experience or your idea or something and you are pulling it away from its physical expression. Yep. From what we might call its real expression, yeah. whatever. And it, that is a, a, a distance that when you, as an observer, as a subject, see that thing that somebody else is posting, be it their ideas or their Instagram posts or something, in both instances you are consuming almost constantly with a lot of people a thing that is totally unreal. Yep. It is like layers of fabrication on top of layers of fabrication. It's like a video game with really, really, really good graphics where it's a totally like computer-generated character and you can see like it has pores and you can see its eyelashes and eyebrows and sweat and stuff and you're like, wow, that's super realistic. But it's not real. At Mm -hmm. the end of the day, it's not real and its realness or its lack of realness has 
consequences, yeah. not only in its own lack of realness, but it also removes the consequences of realness. Mm -hmm. And I think we can get back to the pornography discussion here. Oh, yeah. Because there is whole swaths of things in pornographic areas that if they were real would destroy human civilization. Yeah. Like, if that was really the case, mm -hmm. there would be nothing of value. Like, yep. thing, families would be destroyed, stuff like that, you yeah. know? And families are destroyed when those things do kind of get out there. Because some of that, some of that shit happens. Oh, yeah. Um, Certainly. And when it gets out, or let's say, you know, not to... Not to bring up a stereotype but it's kind of like the west virginia like inbreeding sort of thing like that stuff does happen and you have actual genetic weaknesses develop because there's just not enough diversity of genes to help each other out but yeah there there, there aren't any consequences when you're just looking at a screen whacking off when it's just a fabrication yep to me right Mm -hmm. And this is just for myself. Guy sticks dick in a woman, right? Okay. Yes. He is instantly responsible for her. I have not heard it put that way before. To me, there is no such thing as casual sex. There's no such thing as a one-night stand. The minute you penetrate a woman, you are her caretaker Period. Emotionally, physically, everything. That's awfully feminist of you. Or maybe it's anti-feminist. Who knows? <laughs> That's what I do. People can label... Not, I, to be entirely <laughs> honest with you, I'm not sure whether caring for women is feminist or not. I haven't read enough feminist theory to understand that. Yeah. But, anyway. So, that's my MO, right? And that's what I'm going to tell... if. D depending on what kid we have, like, that's what I'm going to tell, you know, my son or daughter, whatever. Once that happens, there is obligation going on. And that's the thing you don't have with virtual worlds is obligation. Right. That's what you don't have with porn. That's what you don't have in video games or social media. You don't have any of that. Everything is just a tease. Everything is meant to be looked at behind glass. Very literally behind glass. Yeah. And I refuse to live that way. So that's why I have this distaste for pornography. Why I have this distaste for video games and social media. Like, I won't say none of them should exist. I won't go that far. But to me, it's a, it's a foul taste. It, it, it's something I don't want to go near because it's too problematic for me. Practically, I don't want to fuck with it. Like, yeah. it it's just, I don't want to go there. And it doesn't mean I haven't seen those things, participated in each of those forums, etc. But it's something I don't do now. You have formed a judgment about it. Yeah, and moved away from it, mm -hmm. distanced myself from it. 
And it is because it is all a tease. Like, I despise a tease and whatever form it comes in. Because it, it's, it's like the con artist, right? It offers you this on the surface, but it, it never actually delivers. Come here, come here, get away, get away. Yeah, exactly. And I hate that. It's like, what do you want me to do? Because for me, with my obligation mind, like it's funny when the woman who would become my wife and I, we started going steady the day that I left for school, right? And I was driving up to Massachusetts, and I'm texting her, like, because it's like the first, it's the first serious relationship I had been in. And I was like, oh, wow, I guess we're boyfriend-girlfriend now, and, like, I guess we're going to get married and stuff like that. And she was like, whoa, whoa, hold the phone. Like, we just started dating. I don't know about getting married. And I'm like, well, then why are we dating? Like, I'm serious about this. Which, even coming from her family, I wouldn't expect necessarily because they were also... Yeah, pretty most... serious about... Because they were speaking the courting language. Like, yeah. you're not courting unless you intend to marry. And that's the thing. I'm, I'm not interested in relationships unless there's some sort of reciprocal obligation. Because that's, to me, what separates family, and I would say family, versus a stranger. I will be civil to a stranger. I will not go out of my way to hurt a stranger, certainly. You have a kind of social obligation to them. Yeah, to not <laughs> sow seeds of chaos in society. Mm -hmm. So, like, we can actually function and be about stuff. We're not going to impede each other in going about our daily lives. But as far as family is concerned, that is one of obligation. I do stuff for you. You do stuff for me. And not because we're utilitarian and stuff like that, and, and you're just a means to an end to me getting what I want, but that's relationship. It's like people will talk about relationships as they have to be 50-50, right? Well, that's that's a two-way street. That's reciprocation. Mm -hmm. So there has to, and people sometimes throw around like, well, do you just unconditionally love the other person? It depends on who you talk to, but some people will be like, you just need to love them, even if they don't do anything for you. And I'm like, that's bullshit. That's bullshit. I, I am not, th no, never. If it, particularly if it is one of um, equals, right? I've kind of brought up the chivalric code before. Mm -hmm. Like, you only accept a challenge from an equal. Well, you expect in kind from an equal. Like, if there's a kid, obviously you're not like, hey, I paid for your college. Now you're going to pay for my house or something. Like, no, no, because they are beneath you. They, they, they have less resources at their disposal, which uh, is an interesting topic we could maybe get into later, just about, like, the way authority figures like to just dictate to their underlings. Like, this is the way it is. It's like, mm -hmm. um, excuse me, I have less resources at my disposal, and you gave me shitty instructions and shitty tools and shitty everything, so how do you expect me to do an A-plus job when everything you gave me to do the job was shitty? In fact, I think, and I'm probably going to cut this out, um... I already had a bit in here 
about justice. Okay. Uh, and I think justice and authority gotcha. probably pair together pretty well. Okay. We could do a, a thing on that at some point. I want to use... You're talking about obligation and yeah. family and relationships yeah. to both fam- familial people and to strangers, non-family members. You know, like, so for me... And I know the same is kind of not true for you, or maybe not yet. Like, my church is a very familial thing. They're, yeah. They are not my family, and I don't feel the same level of obligation to them sure. as I do my family. But they are an extension. Sure. And so they are in the middle ground between the stranger and the family. Yeah. And I really don't want to call that friend. Like, I want to try to avoid friend thing. Same here. Because you're kind of either honorary family or not. Yep. In any case. And honorary family might be closer than actual family. In many cases, uh, it's at least where appropriate, sometimes referred to as found family. Yeah. Kind of thing. So currently, We are in a position where the social distance that has kind of been festering Mm -hmm. at worst, growing at best in our society, is being expressed in actual familial terms. Mm -hmm. It is being injected into actual family relations. And into para-family relations, so like with church, having Bible studies on Zoom. Yeah. You know, I'm not keen on the idea. Yeah. I would much rather have people around me sitting at a table, yeah. real books in front of us, mm-hmm. talking together with the priest present. That'd be awesome. Yeah. I don't want to have this Zoom meeting. Of course... It's the middle ground that people feel comfortable with and all that. And, and that's the true tragedy of all of this, is that it has to be because it's the middle ground that everybody's comfortable with. Yeah. Like, it, you are almost forced into democracy yeah. about that because you are dealing with people's concern for their health. Sure. You know, it's... Regardless of how you feel about, you know, what you should live and die for and how you should feel about death itself... A person's decision is their decision, and they have to have that autonomous decision. Yeah. Regardless, I digress. You see the social distance that has been growing come to its fullest expression in the family and in parafamilial relations with things like Zoom. To be entirely honest with you, I had never even heard of Zoom before COVID. Yeah, same here. Like... I have always used Skype my whole life. I knew that other video conferencing and video calling platforms existed, but I didn't know any of them. And now you've got fucking everything. Like, there's... It is now a market. Yeah. Like, before it was a very small market, you know, whatever, for business people or something like that. And now it's... it really makes sense. Yeah. Like, why why would you do that? Like, we can just call each other like we already call each other 
Like, we can just call each other. Or texting was for, like, brief messages. Mm -hmm. You didn't want to get into a whole conversation. Email was, like, and it still is kind of, like, the preferred method of communication for business and stuff because you have a paper trail. Like, everything can be in the same email chain or whatever. It's just letters. Yeah. But even now, you are seeing people who never in their whole lives had ever made a video call with anybody. Yeah. Now being forced to do so. Mm-hmm. With their family, with their church, with whoever. With, with business. With business. Because it cannot be otherwise right now. Yeah. For some reason. And I don't mean to say it cannot be otherwise because of COVID. As if COVID has decided that it cannot be otherwise. But that people have decided that it cannot be otherwise. Yeah. I don't want to be misconstrued. <laughs> Also, schools, God save us. Being in school myself, having these... And it's crazy to think I've been... (laughs) The realization. (laughs) I have had more semesters in social distance, video calling with my professors getting all my shit through through online, having to print out shit at my own house. Still paying the same money for the fucking college, though. Yeah. I've had more semesters in lockdown than outside of it. <laughs> three to two. I've nice. had five semesters in total. Three in lockdown. Nice. And it pisses me off. Yeah. For a lot of reasons. But they're, like... The social distance that it was that is required there really breaks down the classroom. Yeah, it fucking destroys the classroom. Yeah, because first of all, if we're all adults, which not usually, especially you know in a community college, a lot of the people there are fucking teenagers. Like yeah. they're still in sophomore year of high school in their brain. Yeah, but. We're all sitting in this room, and it's basically a forum with somebody directing the forum. Like, that's the perfect encapsulation of what maybe a college course should be. It should not be this fucking elementary school, like, teacher giving all the things. Like, I'm teaching you your ABCs and your times tables and shit. Yeah. Like, it should be a, here's an idea, fucking discuss it. Yep. And then you discuss for a little while, and the teacher goes... Well, here's what so-and-so said about such... And that is what it should be. But that is out the window. Mm -hmm. In a socially distanced, in an online position. Because it is absolutely against people's, like, general inclination Mm -hmm. to be in that forum when they're not physically together. That when you're physically all together and you can see the faces and hear the real voices of that not fucking electronically communicated to you somehow. Some people won't even put their camera on so you're just seeing or hearing a voice. If that, if that, most people don't talk, dude. Like, (laughs) I'm I'm not kidding. Like, most people don't talk. And praise God, these people do know how to mute their mics because... The alternative would be hell. (laughs) But 
still you have those people that just fucking ghost all class. Yeah. And just sit. And of course, even in regular in-class class, you have those people who sit in the back and really don't fucking say anything. Yeah. But the people who do participate can really be in a dialogue with each other and with the teacher. Yeah. But the fucking problem is that on your computer, you only have one set of speakers mm-hmm. or headphones or whatever. So you cannot have a dialogue with a handful of people. You get one person talking at a time. Yep. It's like this. Yep. You get one person talking at a time, and if somebody tries to interrupt somebody else, you lose all of it. Yep. Because you don't hear what anybody says. Yep. And it's infuriating. But then, beyond that, if you want to get into, like, the... the the more elementary school qualities of a fucking college classroom. Yeah. See, this is where I get pissed. <laughs> this is where I get pissed, if you can't tell. Um, this is where it totally breaks down. Because the teacher actually has no control. At all. Yeah. Like, all they can do is cut off the call. Yep. And that's the nuclear option. That's like forcing everybody out of the classroom, locking the door. Like, that's the nuclear option. So when somebody decides to send memes in the chat, like, what are you going to do, ban them? Like, you ban them from the thing. You can't send them to the principal. It's fucking college. Yep. And this is the other dangerous side to all of this that I've observed. It's not just a tease. What it does, and we kind of touched on this, it creates highly unrealistic expectations. Highly unrealistic expectations um, of what people can do. Because when you can just turn everyone off, well, you can't because those are the rules of that particular forum. You can't do that in real life. If you, if, if, and I've read stories of this in um, the book Verbal Judo, um, the, the author is talking about um, he had been a, an English um, doctor and he got a job at a public school in the inner city. And he got this job because the last teacher quit and they had been hung out the window by the class. Holy shit. The defenestration. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like... That's what a class could do if they set their minds to it. You you do, you don't get that with technology. It's like, oh, I'm not doing well with this particular level. I'll just start over from the last checkpoint. Or, oh, I don't like the way this person was talking to me. I'm just going to block them. You can't do that in real life. Sure, you can get restraining orders, but that doesn't mean the person isn't going to show up. And it's a lot fucking harder to get a restraining order than to hit the block button. Yeah. And they still might show up. And guess what? Dare I say this? Dare I say this? Police have response times. They can't just show up when you hit the, hey, I'm dying button. They also have other biological limitations. And mechanical limitations. 
Yeah. Their cars and stuff, you know? Yeah. And they go through the effects of adrenaline, too. And guess what? They make mistakes, too. And no amount of training can eliminate all mistakes. Sorry, world. That's a thing. And you're going to have to fucking put on your big boy pants and accept that. And accept the fact that fortune fucks us all over at some point. Yeah. And uh, this is this is where maybe some uh, some some uh, quotation of the uh, the biblical um, might be in order. Um, you know, he who is without sin cast the first stone. Like, oh, okay, you're so perfect. You do better. You go through the same amount of training, and you do better. Because that is the factual uh, consequence. Of such a thing. And and I think this is another social distance. Yeah. I think you're perfectly on the money bringing that up. That you have this... Let's, for the sake of generalization, call it like a Twitter mob. Yeah. That, truthfully, themselves has, has no obligation mm-hmm. at all. They have no... No personhood. They're basically anonymous because they're in such a big group. So that when they come at somebody, and I don't mean to excuse anybody who has actually done actually wrong things and said things that are legitimately harmful. There are things that are wrong to say. Yeah. But a lot of the time, the people who come after someone, for instance, Lindsay Ellis... She is a YouTube creator and small-time author that has recently come under fire on YouTube. Or, excuse me, on Twitter. Gotcha. I have no idea who she is. That's fine. I'll show you some videos. They're pretty good. Okay. Anyway. She recently came under fire for various things that she had said and done, literally from time immemorial. And this faceless mob... Because it necessarily has to be faceless. It's that I am Spartacus thing. Mm-hmm. You know. Came and were like, here's the receipts for why she's a bad person. Here's all the tweets that seem problematic or, you know, in bad faith or that we don't like for thus and such reason. Regardless of whether she has addressed them in the past and said maybe, hey, that thing I did back then was insensitive and I shouldn't have done it. Yeah. Still, they bring it up because it did happen. Yeah. It's in the record. Yeah. But this faceless mob that does not themselves have any real person, does not themselves have any real reputation, yeah. because they are a huge totality. Yep. If you wanted to pick somebody out and say, well, that person in the mob said this and this in 2009 or something like that, you know, doesn't matter. Yeah. Because there's ten other people that are taking there that person's place. Yep. But you're the target. Yep. And it's your reputation that's on the line. It's your shit that we're coming after. Yep. And I don't mean to say that people shouldn't be deplatformed. They should. There are people who should not be allowed to say the things that they say. Yep. On, like, I'm not fucking Voltaire. Yep. I'm not going to sit here and say, you know, I don't agree with what you're saying, but I'll fight to the death to make sure you say it. No, fuck you. <laughs> Truthfully. <laughs> but to come after a person who has themselves addressed their own issues, 
and said, you know what? Actually, the thing that I said back then, I've learned from and decided that I was wrong. Yeah. And no longer support or put forward that opinion or whatever. Yeah. Like, that's human growth, God forbid. Yeah. But this faceless mob is separated from their own consequence. Mm -hmm. So, for instance, like, a person comes up to you, and let's say that you're... What was that fucking guy's name? That Spencer asshole, the the Nazi. You know who I mean. From 2016 or whatever. The guy that got punched. Mm, Yeah. You know who I mean? Yeah, yeah. Right? In that instance, here you have a man who is saying things that... You know, you have man A... Yeah. That it is saying things that man B disagrees with, thinks is harmful, would like to stop man A from saying. Man B decides to punch man A in his face. Yeah. Cool. Man A now has the option to fight back. Yeah. Now has the op- I am physically here with you. Yeah. And I'm going to punch you back in your face. Yeah. Right? Those are real consequences because in that instance you have one man against one man. It's not like man B is coming over here and saying, well, man A has all these things that he's, he's making an actual threat. Yeah. He's actually hurt. And, fuck, it might be a justified threat. Yeah. You might, he might have fucking deserved to be punched in his face. Yeah. But still you have that real obligation that now we are two men, one of whom has been punched in the face, and now it's my turn. Yep. To at least try yep. to fight back. Or to flee or do whatever. But at the end of the day, this whole myth of the free market of ideas comes to an end in that real in that arena. Mm-hmm. Because now the platform is for whoever can literally beat the other one to senselessness. Yeah. To, to shutting up, basically. Yeah. Whereas on the internet, all you have is just... How many voices can I get on this side versus how many voices can I get on it, that You're side? literally weaponizing the herd. It, it, it's like to, to kind of bring up again the whole Teddy Roosevelt idea of being the man in the arena. What we have going on is the spectators are like getting into a shouting match while the people in the arena are doing battle. And like the spectators are like, Yelling at each other, yelling at the people in the arena. The ar- people in the arena are like, why the fuck are we doing what we're doing? How about, let's just, like, leave and let these sons of bitches, like, just yell at each other. And we'll go, like, you know, if we're talking gladiators, like, have some, uh, some like, hot slave chick, like, rub us down with oil or something. And, like... Eat us grapes. Yeah, like, let's, let's... Let's get out of here. Let, let, let's not do this. Why are we performing for these people? And that's kind of... That is another thing that I would bring up. Uh, uh, you know, there's the tease. There is the... Um... Shit. What were we just talking about? The spectator? The mass? The consequence? Anyhow. So. The herd? I don't know. Shit. God damn it. I'm too... Drop right out of your head. I'm too young for that to happen. Anywho. um, I'm not even sure where you were going, necessarily. So, it's... You know, everyone's doing all this teasing. There's a general separation from consequence. And there's also this... uh, It is the tendency of the mob, of the herd, to pull down 
anything excellent to their level. To make everyone be on their level. That is literally the intention of the free marketplace of ideas. Because in the free marketplace of ideas, no one has authority. So, you can literally be a nobody and publish whatever you want because you're enabled to in these forums. You can say whatever you want. And it, in a way, it's treated as valid. If we're going back to the chivalric code, everyone's equal. Therefore, I have to accept challenges from all of these people. In many cases, at once. Yeah. Which is ridiculous. You know, since I'm not a part of these forums, I just kind of stand at a distance and watch them do their thing, and I'm bewildered. Because it is a, a, an arena that I refuse. Like, you can be a man in the arena, but you can, a lot of the times, choose your arena. There's an element that you can't. Like, there are arenas you just have to be in, and that's your lot, and sorry. But you can choose to not be in a lot of arenas. And I refuse to be in those arenas. Um, but watching them take place and, you know, do their thing and adhere to their rules. I don't even know if you could call them rules. I guess they do have rules to an extent. Just ones that don't make any sense to me. They kind of make a little bit of sense to me. Like, I can put myself in the shoes of the people making or professing the rules. Yeah. And yet I disagree with them. Gotcha. Yeah. Like, I can kind of get where they're coming from. I guess because I am younger and I've spent more time on those platforms, in those arenas. Yeah. But still, I refuse them. Yeah. I refuse their validity. Sure. But I see them do their thing, and all I can think is that, you know, I hear you guys say things like, don't judge me, don't shame me. Don't call me that. And yet that's all you're about, is doing those things to all the people you've decided are worthy of shaming and hating and, sh and judging. And it, it's just we're deciding who we're going to judge and shame. It's not about me. It's not about what we do. Yeah. It's about who we do it to. Exactly. Um, the, the rules are not consistent. We're just... But that's why I refuse to talk about it in terms of discussion. We are not living in an age of discussion. We are living in an age of war. It might look like discussion is taking place, and I think it is in, like, very small communities, and it's very limited. But like here, yeah. I feel like there is an element of this platform, this forum, that is me bringing to you things that you're not necessarily familiar with sure. from yeah. an arena that you're not, and you bringing things to me that I'm not necessarily familiar with, yeah. you know, and we are discussing that yeah. in, in a but legitimate But literally discussion. at arm's reach. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> I look at these folks, and, and it just blows my mind you know they're so obsessed with where they spout like don't judge me and yet they will hunt 
anyone who does not float their boat to the ends of the earth on this witch hunt and crucify them. And that's not to say that there aren't people that deserve to be crucified. Sure. But that... It, it, because I think I think the the fucking awful little like whiny excuse that comes largely from the right, the people who are like all scared about cancel culture thing, yep. is like that you know, it, it's it's the it's the the Batman versus Superman argument about Superman. Like they're too powerful, they can yeah. just come and destroy anybody they like, and they yeah. have no rules, and they might come for us. Kind yeah. of thing is like, well, maybe you. Fucking deserve to get come after sometimes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> because if you put your foot in that fucking pond, expect to get bit, dude. Yeah. Like, accept yeah. the consequences that are possible there. Yeah. Like, but to mercilessly drive out mm-hmm. anyone that does not float the boat, that does not tow the line. Is I think nonsense because you don't you don't actually have what I would call a goodwill encounter with somebody else's ideas. Yeah. I could completely disagree with what what you're saying. Yeah. You could be Hitler incarnate in front of me, talking all the what you could literally be reading me Mein Kampf or something. Yeah. And I would in good faith engage with those ideas and say, you know what, I think you're really fucking wrong. Yeah. For thus and such reasons, and I think maybe you deserve to be crucified. But that's not <laughs> because I'm sitting here saying, oh my god, witch! Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's this, like, I've taken what you've said, attempted to understand it from your point of view, and I think you're fucking wrong. Yeah. It's it's more reasoned. It is, it's not reactionary. Like, yes, you are interacting with something, but it is not reactionary. You are replying. Yes. Not reacting. It, it is the opposite of being triggered. It is... And we all get that, because we all have baggage. We all have emotion. Yeah. So, like, you get that feeling in your gut, like, motherfucker, I'm just gonna, like, hit you in the face. But that's the difference between decent people and not decent people, to me, mm-hmm. is... Being able, as I've described to you before, to keep your inner dog on the leash. Mm, mm-hmm. Still have a dog. You need the dog. But it needs to be on a leash. And it needs to be focused. Like, domesticate the dog. Put it to use. Don't just let it friggin' go everywhere and kill everything willy-nilly. That's not okay. And I think that is... If there is anything that it that is to be... Not feared, because fuck that. Get off Twitter. It's that kind of like the the argument for cyberbullying is like, turn your fucking computer off, dumbass. Yeah, yeah. Like, you can cut off your fucking thing. Like, you do not have to sit. Mm -hmm. But the... the, Maybe the cautionary note, the thing to learn, is to not just let your inclination drive you. To not just let... And I don't want to say how you feel, because that you makes it... You can't really get away from that. Exactly. One, yeah. It's like this... Then it, it turns into this dumbass Ben Shapiro, like, facts don't care about your feelings kind of argument, and I don't like that at all. But like this, don't just go with where you're inclined to go. Yeah. 
Stop and look at it. Don't actually follow your heart. <laughs> Fuck yes. Absolutely. Look at your heart and say, is where this wants to go worthy? Yeah. Or proper? Or maybe obligatory? Yeah. And is it justified? Yeah. Does it mete out some kind of justice? Because that's the thing I think that is lacking in actual social justice, is the justice part. Yeah. Because justice implies some kind of higher value of giving what is earned. Yeah. Whether it be a crucifixion or otherwise. Mm -hmm. And when you only go with inclination, when you say, oh, that tweet about this movie about a dragon makes me feel like she's being racist against Asians, so crucify her! You know, that is not justice. Yeah. Because it is inclination. It is not being disciplined by any moral law. Yeah. By any kind of discipline. I wanted to bring up earlier this idea that, like, it, it is kind of along the lines of, you know, the, the, the medium is as, as important as the message, um, if not more so, because the medium establishes neural pathways, muscle memory, as much as the message does. If you are, it doesn't matter if you intellectually agree with something. Like, people, let's just use Instagram. People intellectually agree that no one, but what's most often talked about is that women should not be objectified. But no one should be objectified. No one should be shamed for their physique, for deformities, etc., Everyone's beautiful, yada. I wouldn't say it quite like that because mm-hmm. I think there are some very ugly people out there, and I, I wouldn't take that necessarily into the physical domain. But you can look at someone and say like you're less attractive or you're more attractive to me. But at the heart of it, the thing is like recognizing the humanity yeah. in the other person. Yeah. Like, you don't treat them less than because of X, Y, Z. Um, But that's the civility to strangers that I was talking about Mm -hmm. before. But anyway, when you are soaked in shallowness, filter-saturated content, non-real content... Superficiality. Yeah, idealized content like staged and people admit it like i've seen youtube videos where people talk about like the social media me versus the real me people intellectually know that social media is presenting bullshit and yet because they are saturated with it subconsciously they accept it as real well and I think there is an interesting examination to be done with something like that, uh, with that real me versus yeah. presented me kind of thing that Slavoj Žižek brings up. And, yeah. you know, of course I'm going to talk <laughs> about the man. Um, I'm, I don't know what you've noticed, yeah. but I've started getting a couple of his hand gestures and stuff, <laughs> like the doing this. Yeah. Like that's a very him kind of thing to do. <laughs> God save me. 
I'm not bit. See, that's literal. That's neural pathways, man. Yes. You've watched him enough, and you're picking it up. And I'm doing. That's a- what I'm talking about. Yeah. When chicks see other chicks wearing yoga pants, posing a certain way, they all do it. When guys see other guys deadlifting and stuff, it's like the other day someone was talking to me, right? And they were talking about I I was doing a phys, uh, a squat like motion, right? Mm-hmm. And he was like, oh, yeah, you got to do this. That it, All they were were deadlifting cues. And one, I, I know that I'm, I've been around the fitness community the longer than this dude. And this dude's telling me, like, oh, you got to do this, that, and the other. And I'm like, no, shut the fuck up. Like, okay. stop. Stop. And also, you're literally giving me the mainstream narrative of deadlift. You're giving me all the Walmart, Target, fucking hipster, shitty-ass fucking cues for doing... Yeah, for doing a movement. No, shut the fuck up. Stop. Mm-hmm. You're giving me rehash, but you're, sound, you're talking like you're... Like, oh my... I'm going to stop. I'm going to stop. I'm going to get too along. In any case, the, the thing about Zizek, though, um, that they're, like, in a way... Truthfully, the part of yourself that you are thinking maybe is not you, yeah, is kind of you on a more deep level. Yeah, because when that is a thing that you are presenting regularly, yeah. and that does actually well up out of desires, intentions, what um, uh, Slavoj Žižek or Lacan might call libido, mm-hmm. you know, libido, you are moving toward an actualization of something that is really inside you. Mm-hmm. And to act like that's a mask is not necessarily correct. Yeah, Like, people like to say that the mask isn't them. And yet, in a way, it is the more perfect them. Yeah. It is what they wish they were. Mm-hmm. And what you are by chance of genetics by situation whatever because that is not a willful decision on your part to have those things they are in a way less you in a way from a certain perspective yeah than the mask because the mask is what you have decided to put on Mm -hmm. it's what you've decided to embody yeah to bring up (laughs) to bring up a batman example at the end of batman begins you know Bruce Wayne is talking with Rachel Dawes, right? And Rachel Dawes looks at him and she she touches his face and she's like this your your Bruce Wayne face is your mask. You are really Batman. Because you chose to be Batman. Yeah. You didn't choose to be Bruce Wayne. Yeah. And That is it. That is it. But Bruce Wayne didn't decide to be Batman until after he had lived as Bruce Wayne. There is kind of that genesis where you're given the raw materials and you don't decide to have the raw... You don't get to choose the raw materials. They're given to you. And then you make the house based off of what you were given. It is not ex nihilo. Yeah. It it 
It comes from something. <laughs> yes. You do not produce the thing itself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which that is kind of the one of the conceits of our age, I think, is this it's a it's a it's a paradox, but it kind of is this I came out of nothing. I am the potter and the clay. Yeah, no you're not. No you're not. Like people will scream, um you know depending on the situation, victim all the live long day. Mm-hmm. But then there's also this vein of society that's like why just am who I am, and history be damned, and where I came from be damned, and I don't... Like, it is throwing the baby away with the bathwater. Like, none of that is going to have a bearing on my life. And it's like, no, sorry, dude. Sorry. If we were to sit here and, like, analyze you... It's still there. Yeah. Like, you can't get rid of that. Sorry. (laughs) There are traces of the baby and the bathwater still in the tub. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. I kind of feel like there's something else I want to say, but I don't really know what else to say. I think that is the feeling of this entire thing. Yeah. 